T-minus 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program. And as Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. Pardon this computer. Okay, uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Today is a big day, and I have, uh, I call him the man of the hour. Um, Mr. Steve Bassett is joining me today. He's the executive director of the Paradigm Research Group, and he's been uh, now sort of after 30 years, he's an overnight success. He started in 1995, you can correct me if I'm wrong, on this disclosure thing, we seem to be coming to a head here. And there was just a news conference on the Hill. And uh, luckily I booked this a long time ago with Steve and I happened to get him just after the news conference. So welcome Steve and I uh, hope you can bring me up to date with uh, all the latest developments of what's actually going on in Washington as we speak. Well, we are, it's sometimes, it's, it's uh, not surprising that in many cases, people don't realize that they might be living in an, at a moment of unbelievable history. Uh, they find out later, right? <laughs> 10 years later, they're reading a history book. They go, whoa, that, that, was, that was that big. This, this is one of the most important events, if not the most important event in human history uh, right now. The whole disclosure process leading to the confirmation of the deep presence, that is to me the most profound event in human history. But after six years of a lot of effort on the part of a lot of people, uh, and particularly the last three years, we have finally gotten to, I guess, the one yard line. Um, And what brought us there was the fourth legislation put forward by the Senate Intel Committee under the sponsorship of uh, Chuck Schumer and, and Senator Rounds. I think also Senator Reid was involved. And this bill, unlike the previous thrill bills, were was the big one. This is the one that completed the infrastructure, the legal infrastructure that they've always known they needed to have in place uh, should the president or some other head of state confirm the extraterrestrial presence to the world. Uh, one of the problems with the president just walking out and doing that was that without all this infrastructure, the, the what would follow would be absolute sheer chaos. Uh-huh. So all all good. So the, the 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 Senate could have maybe passed a modest piece of legislation, or rather submitted that, moved the ball forward a little bit further, but for various reasons, which we can discuss. Uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee decided to throw a 50-yard pass into the end zone. Who was it? Who was all working on it? Can you fill me on on who actually put? It's called the Schumer Amendment. So basically, 
Like, was Danny Sheen involved? Was Podesta involved? Like, who was all, were you involved? No, 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 no. This is the creation of a, a, a critical piece of legislation, and it was done by members of the Intelligence Committee and their staff. Okay. Uh, they may have consulted with some individuals of far higher rank and station than I. Uh, they might have discussed this with Mellon. They might have discussed this with some witnesses. I don't know. Uh, but I understand that over the last six years, uh, not just the Intelligence Committee, but quite a few people of Congress have been given briefings, meetings with witnesses. They've gotten reports classified in public from, from the government. So there was plenty already uh, in their, in their uh, uh, pocket regarding uh, this issue. And so they came up with this legislation. <clears throat> now, this legislation, if you read it in full, and I will send you a link, uh, Grant, where I, what I've done is I have converted the the uh, the, the, the printing that, that is in the bill, which is very hard to read. It, it, yeah. it, it's it's, it's a, a special kind of printing. And I've converted it to a nice, comfortable PDF file, single space, very easy oh. to read. And I've even highlighted it. I'm going to send you that link. It's online. Yeah. And it may and I may change it. I may change the highlights. All that will change. In any event, it's it's 23 page, single space, 70 some pages in the bill itself. And what does this bill do? Um, what essentially it, it does is this. It sets up, finally, which we've been waiting for, the full legal infrastructure by which everything, everything that is in the government's hands, no matter the level of classification, whether it's documents or files, reports, and or technology or bodies or anything else, yeah. it, it, it provides the infrastructure legal basis for which that can be brought out from the, the deepest levels of secrecy through several layers of review, right? And finally end up in the National Archives. In other words, it's the full disclosure bill that we have been waiting for. Now, does that mean that it all comes out at once? No, not 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 that at all. Does that mean that it won't start right away? Yes, it will. Though there's some other issues that to be addressed, and so very soon, if the bill were to pass, suddenly we would start seeing information coming forward and being revealed to us that we didn't know, uh, as it's on its way to be in the National Archives. So that that is you can't ask for more than that. All right. Okay, but let, let me bring up a point because this yeah. is like a a plan that over the, the house is throwing around twenty five years. You know they're, they're going to take twenty five years to do this, and they want it out in one hundred and eighty days. Can you talk about the timing of this? this? No, no, no. This other bill, uh, another bill was submitted by Burchett and and someone else. Uh, put that aside. Uh, in other words, there's a lot of pushback that. Uh, developed with respect to the, the the Schumer rounds amendment, yeah, and that that is is being fought literally out, out as we speak in the in the conference. There's like fifty some members of the Senate and House in there battling it out, right, to try to get this bill. So Burchett, describe that process because I've heard about the process. Are you familiar with exactly what they're doing now in this sure. conference? It's, it's the way bills are done in this country. I don't know if it's the way bills are done in Canada no, uh, or UK, but in this country, the Senate uh, will come up with a bill or the House will come up with a bill. They'll write the language. They'll put it forward. Then the uh, the Senate or the other House 
of Congress will then uh, 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 write its version of the bill, and they will be passed in the House, in the Senate, these two separate versions. Okay. And then there has to be a reconciliation conference in which selected group, selected group come together to work out the differences. And once they've worked out a single bill, right, that they are satisfied, it's resubmitted to the House and Senate. If the House and Senate passes the new reconciled bill, that's the one that goes to the president. And 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 and, the, and when you get to a, a big legislation, that's why it takes so long. It's so complicated. Getting a bill passed in the United States is a big deal. And so they now they are in reconciliation, in which the Senate version of the bill is being reconciled with what the House version is. And the House version does not include the uh, Schumer-Rounds Amendment. And so the, the decision is, among other things, because they're reconciling the entire NDA, N NDAA bill, the, the National Offense Authorization Act. Which is uh, a thousand let's, pages or something, right? It's a thousand pages, and let's be yeah. sure. The, 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 the Schumer-Rounds Amendment on disclosure is the most controversial part of this yeah. bill <laughs> and the focus of this reconciliation. Yeah. And so so that 180 day stuff that is that is a four four paragraph substitute amendment that Burchett and some others came up with I guess as an attempt to sort of resolve this. It's utterly ludicrous. There's no chance okay. in hell it'll pass. Just completely forget about it. Now. Okay. okay. Get back to the fundamental reconciliation. So th this th this process leading to disclosure has been remarkably nonpartisan uh, and has moved forward never as fast as we wanted, but very consistently. From 2017, we see saw things happening, mostly behind the scenes, a lot of press coverage. And then in 2020, finally, the Congress steps in formally into this issue. Uh, under the support of Marco Rubio, at that time, the chairman of the Senate Intel Committee, a Republican, uh, and he puts in language in that bill, which is the first essential UAP uh, language. Uh, and it, it was significant. It, it set up some things. It, 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 it formalized the, uh, the UAP task force. And then the next bill did some more and the third bill did some more. And we've been moving forward nicely. Right. We're now just three years from the time that that first bill was signed by the president in 2020. And, and, and by the way, all of this progress has been made in spite of the fact that all through 2020, we were going through the worst pandemic in 100 years. Millions of people were dying. The economy was, was turned upside down. All kinds of chaos. Things move forward. And then in 2021, the pandemic continued, right? Political chaos was continuing, and yet the bill moved forward. And then in 2022, as they're they're putting together the language for the 2023 NDAA, which included again another UAP section, a war breaks out in Europe, one of the most dangerous wars uh, in modern times, uh, threatening the possibility of nuclear uh, event taking place, and the bill still moved forward. All right. And so that that tells you something it tells you that at least the senate and the senate intel committee is absolutely committed to ending this truth embargo and they're doing what they consider responsible so that brings us to the bill for 2024 right which it, it, the 2024 ndaa to be signed in 2023 december 21st and so what the senate intel committee did was they they threw they threw they went for the end zone and there's a reason that happened 
I don't think that this bill would have been quite as comprehensive uh, had not something happened that they did not see, they, they did not see coming or they didn't expect to, to, to come to fruition. And that, of course, was David Grush. Not surprisingly, as this issue has extended well, year after year after year, the number of people in government uh, dissatisfied with the fact that we can't get this done has grown. The number of witnesses, the number of people that have been engaged in these programs in government is in the thousands, retired and active. And their dissatisfaction with this is, is obviously in, increased every year. And so it shouldn't have shocked anybody that someone, for whatever reason, would step forward uh, and not be willing to wait to see when are we going to finally get this resolved and disclosed. And that person turned out to be David Grush. Now, there have been witnesses that have come forward before. They've come forward to Stephen Greer. He's got a whole list of them. Some of them consider themselves to be whistleblowers. Some of them were, were, were known, oh, 20 years ago. But that's not the situation we had with Grush. Why? Because Grush was actually working for the UAP task force that was set up under the legislation that was passed. He was in the formal program. And he was contacted by people within the USAPs so or the Unacknowledged Special Access Programs working on ET tech, who, because they felt he, he, he was the guy to report to, and so they reported to him and they told him about it, which obviously caught his attention. Grush then, because he had years and years of work in the intelligence uh, world, the geospatial uh, 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 group, as well as a couple of others. He had lots of contacts. And so he contacted others about what he had just heard. And in general, they confirmed it. And so Grush is now sitting there in the UAP task force pers with personal confirmation that, yeah, we have vehicles and we have non-human bodies. And so he did what he was supposed to do. He took the information to the Intel Committee right? Which is what he was supposed to do under the law. Well, that wasn't supposed to happen. He was off script. And so, boy, that, that created a bit of a storm, obviously. Uh, and the result was that people within the military intelligence complex, people connected to him uh, in the UAP task force, whatever, they jumped all over him. And he started getting harassed. He started getting threats. Well, this is not the first time they've done this. They picked the wrong guy. This is a guy that went through two terms of tours of duty in Iraq. So bad that when he came back, he suffered serious post-traumatic stress syndrome and, 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 and was dealing with drugs in order to deal with that. But, and let me, let me put a point on that. He, he is a man of such substance that he overcame that, dealt with it, went for treatment, and got so sufficiently back together that he was given his full security clearances back and allowed to move forward, including being assigned to the UAP task force. And so this man was not going to put up with that. And so he went to the IG's office, uh, the, uh, the, the, the second inspector general of the intelligence community, with a formal complaint. He, by this point, it was probably well known that this was happening amongst the, you know, the insiders. And so guess what? Uh, they stepped up to back them. Who stepped up? McCullough, Charles McCullough, the first inspector general to the intelligence community, was his counsel when he presented his case to the present 
inspector general. He got uh, it fully acknowledged. Uh, they agreed that he was being harassed and they took whatever measures they could to ensure it would stop, except you can't stop that. I mean, you can stop people to attack him under the, the under their own name, under as they're from their position working for the government. You cannot stop people from sending death threats uh, anonymously in any number of ways. And those threats kept coming. All right. Until finally he had had enough. He had a family. And so what he decided to do was go whistleblower. And he, he is definitely a whistleblower, unlike the vast majority of witnesses, because he is not a, just a witness. He has come forward with information based on the belief that he thinks the policy of embargo is illegal. And so he is blowing the whistle on this illegal policy of not informing the people the full extent of what we know about the extraterrestrial presence. In order to come forward, however, he had to get the assistance of, of, of at least one uh, uh, interview and at least one article. The people he was working with were uh, the esteemed Leslie Kane and, of course, uh, Pulitzer Prize winner Ralph Blumenthal. Their efforts to get his story fast-tracked, fast it's a major entities, I think like the New York Times, Washington Post, maybe even some of the news networks, uh, was not going to work because the story is so huge, so significant that these high-end media entities simply can't rush a story like that. They've got to vet it to death because they've got all kinds of legal problems that could come from that. The Debrief, on the other hand, a new but very significant publication, doesn't have quite that uh, degree of restriction. And so Blumenthal and Cain got the article in the Debrief timed to come out the same day that an, an interview took place between him and Russ Coulthard of News Nation, a very important new uh, emerging uh, news network. That landed like an ontological bomb on June the 5th of this year. So what happened? He announced uh, publicly that we have tech, we have bodies, I have confirmed this, all right? And I am now telling you this uh, and letting you know that I'm also being threatened. Well, this set off a huge amount of media coverage, right? and upset the plan. Whatever the, the Senate Intel Committee's plan was, it didn't factor in a, a, a high-level intelligence guy working within the UAP task force, coming forward and confirming bodies and tech. What, what do you do? Uh, I, you're not ready for that. Uh, it, it put everybody in a tough spot, not the least with Sean Kirkpatrick, the head of Arrow. Sean Kirkpatrick can't sp speak to that. And so by him coming out, everybody going to go to Sean and say, uh, Dr. Kirkpatrick, uh, what about this? What about that? He didn't want any of that. He could not deal with that. He, 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 that, that, that project is not set up to find out information. The whole thing was set up in preparation for disclosure. So Kirkpatrick's position was awful, but so was the Senate Intel Committee. What do you do now? Well, we found out, all right? 39 days after Grush came forward, the Senate Intel Committee, or at least the Senate, decided this is how we're going to deal with Grush. And I and boy, do I have nothing but admiration for a gentleman by the name of Chuck Schumer. What happened is that the Senate Majority Leader Schumer, who had stayed out of this process, he's not a member of the Intel Committee, but he's, a, he's one of the member of Gang of Eight, He's a very important, powerful person. He, he kept out of this and let the Intel Committee do its work. He deliberately steps into this on July the 14th. 
And how does he do it? He publicly states that he will, in addition to others, put specific language into the bill that is being put together by the Senate Intel Committee, right? And what is the language he's putting in? He is putting in eminent domain language, which makes the point that the, quote, non-human tech that obviously Grush was referring to is subject to eminent domain of the United States government. He's basically saying to the to all of the civilian contractors, as well as any civilians who might have this tech, not to the government. The government has it. That, that's you don't eminent domain what the government already has. It's the private sector that this is ours. And if we want it, we will come and get it. It doesn't mean that we're going to send out a bunch of stormtroopers and break in and take it. No, it just means we are asserting eminent domain, which we may or may not use. And 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 to to properly phrase this, he also makes it clear in the language that first you will have an opportunity. I think I think they said 300 days to first provide to the appropriate entity, in this case, Arrow, a full report of what you have. In other words, if you're sitting there on three crashed ET vehicles in an underground facility, you know, in Dulce or underneath Area 51 or whatever the hell, you will provide a report of that. Now, of course, the people that are involved in those programs want nothing to do with that, but whatever, provide a report. We will then review that report and then we will make decisions about what we want to do about it. Well, this was a absolute game changer. And at that moment, everything changed. Uh, uh, certainly, it attracted enormous amount of press, enormous amount of uh, coverage, which I, I, I have chronicled on my website, 15,000 articles, including 1,700 links to articles about this this year alone. And that was the response. Now, what he did in that one statement on July the 14th is one, he literally confirmed Grush. He's basically saying, I, the Senate Majority Leader, am confirming that what Grush told you was true. Why? Because there's no way in hell you, you come forward with eminent domain language about you, you, you uh, tech that doesn't exist. That would be utterly insane. And so he's confirming Grush, which obviously elevates this issue. The second thing he did was essentially say, I, the Senate Majority Leader, are letting everyone know that I am very happy and quite comfortable with all of the efforts by the Senate Intel Committee to put forward this legislation. Don't consider me uh, anything but supportive. And three, the other thing he did, and this is not very important, is that whether or not Schumer thought that this legislation would pass or not, and he, and he surely must have considered the fact it might not be included, the eminent domain part, it, it didn't matter. Because the way it works is the final bill, which I think was passed in July 27, goes up on the Senate website, where it sits for months, uh, while, again, the House is considering what to do and so forth. And so anybody anywhere, including people working 500 levels below Dulcie or whatever, can go and read it. You go online and read the damn thing. So he basically sent a message out to the entire civilian contractor world that the disposition of the Senate is that we want that technology accounted for and we're going to decide what to do with it, whether you like it or not. 
Now that message was sent. And there was a very important reason why he needed to send that message. And here's why. If for some reason the United States president was forced to disclose uh, uh, prematurely, I say, uh, because of any number of reasons, the most, most likely one would be that our intelligence community learned that Xi Jinping was about to do it. You know, such and such a day in four days, we learned that Xi Jinping is going to go before his political, uh, you know, that mass group that meets, I don't know what the hell they call it, and announce to the Chinese people, we have we have crash vehicles. There are extraterrestrials here. And I, the uh, president of China, is informing you today, which which leaves Biden sitting in the White House with nothing but egg on his face. And so they would have had to say, oh, my God, we've got to get the president out there. So they push the president out in the East Wing and he confirms it, except we don't have all this infrastructure yet. Right. In fact, if it was years ago, we would have had nothing, no infrastructure, no laws, uh, no arrow, no nothing. And, and then, then the next day, we're going to have to deal with this without any of that. And it's just going to be chaos. But something else would happen if disclosure. Whenever disclosure happens, if the disclosure comes from the president, even in an orderly fashion, what is going to happen very quickly is that every one of those contractors that has visions of making billions upon billions of dollars by exploiting the technology that will soon be made public, that they have been working on and paid very well by the government to work on, like they do with our nuclear submarines and our fighter jets, they get paid very well to develop and build those damn things. That, but, but this is ET tech. This is a whole different thing. They're going to start filing patents. They're going to start patenting everything they can in order to ensure that their shareholders will benefit mightily from the money they're going to make. And so by putting that message out, he's saying, don't do that, right? Don't file those patents. Uh, this is our position. Now, if the law had passed, it definitely would have preempted that. Right. But that remains to be seen. So that's what happens on July the 14th. Now, what what happens after that is not complicated. At that point, given the full scope of that bill and what it means, here's how we're going to get everything from the secret world into the public world over a period of years. Uh, it, it also makes a very important point that everything 25 years or older meaning all documents that pertain to uh, acts that were that were, uh, that were passed or whatever more than 25 years ago, starting in 1998, that's fast-tracked. In other words, that stuff can get right into the pipeline. That doesn't mean it all gets dumped. It just means it goes right into the pipeline. And so that, that ensures that there's going to be a lots of material coming forward to, to go into John Greenwald's Black Vault and to be to be talked about on the in the newspapers very quickly because that's fast tracked. It's still going to be reviewed, and so again, this is all very appropriate, very solid. But when he made that statement, the people in the corporations, in the in the defense contractors, as well as anybody within the United States government whose fundamental position, not venal, not based on money, is that this should never be disclosed. We should never confirm to the American people this absolutely must be made remain secret and contained and embargoed until the day I die. Those people are triggered because they realize that this bill is the ball game. It is the end of the line. Once it is passed, then aside from the fact we need a, a major hearing prior, the president is in a position to disclose at any time. And so from July 14th on, behind the scenes, apparently they have been 
making phone calls and pushing buttons to see if they could scuttle this bill. But they were doing it privately, right? In other words, they're not putting it out there. They don't go public until the reconciliation comes. The moment we approach reconciliation, boom, all of a sudden this emerges. And, the, and one of the effects of the, the, this action is for the first time to politicize this issue. Up until recently, it, it was absolutely the most nonpartisan issue in, in being engaged in the United States by our politicians. And they went out of their way to say that. And they, they talked about it intelligently and actually sounded like reasonable people. But now it's politicized. How? So, very simple. Guess who? Well, not, not put it this way. Defense contractors give millions and millions and millions of dollars donated to the campaigns of members of Congress. Okay, no shock. Guess who gets most of that? Republicans. Okay. Guess who? Which Republicans tend to get the the, the biggest amounts? The chair of the Intelligence Committee, the chair of the uh, Armed Forces Committee, and similar in the in the Senate. All right. Okay. And so. They, they've been calling them and pressuring them and say that that bill cannot stand, that domain certainly cannot stand. You, you, you do something about that or will whatever. And so they're putting the pressure that way. That's that's how uh, the uh, the pushback begins. All right. And then I think those who are opposed to the idea of a truth embargo uh, ending uh, started to exert certain pressures themselves. And so the net result is that as, as we entered recognition, three people stepped forward and said, uh-uh, wait a minute. And those three people were Mike Turner, chairman of the House Intel Committee, Mike Rogers, the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, and a little surprisingly, Mitch McConnell, right? Mitch McConnell wanted a number of things changed in that bill, right? And uh, he, 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 you know, but, and, uh, and I think the leverage that he, he, he's using, because the Senate by and large is in favor of that bill. So what leverage is McConnell using on the Senate Intel Committee and the conferees? And basic, the leverage is, uh, I've gone to the House, I'm talking with Turner, Rogers, and, and Mike, Mike Johnson, the, the three Mike-a-tears, and uh, I, I can get this bill scuttled. In other words, they won't, they won't pass the NDA at all, right? Which, of course, would be a pretty pretty intense thing. And I think that's the leverage he's using. And so he's involved. And so where we are now is the debate. They're, they're, they're still doing this. Um, Birchett, there was a press conference held today. I have seen part of it. Uh, I was expecting something a little different. Uh, I thought it was going to be basically Burchett offering and talking about this ridiculous alternative amendment. But in fact, it was I, I saw some very strong statements uh, coming from people that that clearly state we need to move on. I'm going to watch the whole thing very soon. But if it's as good as I think it is, it is very helpful and may be enough to uh, save this bill. And, and I'll finish with this, uh, Grant. Let me be clear. I am more than happy. Well, actually, let me add one more thing. There are three, I forgot, there are three things in the bill that are the principal problems for whoever, right? And mostly I'm talking about the, the secret world, all right? One is the, the eminent domain clause, okay? 
two is the subpoena section. There is a section in there that gives considerable subpoena power to the uh, entities there that they've created, the, the certain members of the House and certain committees. They have the subpoena power to go and get anybody down there, some double classified, ultra special access, whatever the hell, and force them to come forward and talk to them. Right. And that person could flee to another country if they want to. But they're going to they're going to be eventually uh, brought forward and probably go to prison. And so they don't want that. Oh, my God. They do not want that kind of pressure because they know that's really going to be a problem. And so that's the second issue. And the third issue is more subtle. And I think very few people probably picked up on it. But in this bill, there is a single reference to the Department of Energy. And there are two references to the uh, Atomic Energy Act. And by the way, the references to the Department of Energy and all of its precursor uh, entities, because over the years it's had different names and it ends up being the Department of Energy. So as you go back, the names change, but it's the same thing. The, The reason why that's important is that there is considerable suspicion on the part of uh, researchers in this field that the Department of Energy or whatever the hell it was called, that world is where these projects are parked. That's where they are. In other words, it's down underneath that. And therefore, if, if, if and based upon the wording of that bill, it makes it clear that the Senate knows this. And so consequently, there's going to be a focus on the Department of Energy, which just alerts them to the fact they're coming for it all. They're coming for all the USAPs, all the tech, all the other thing. We're going to be embarrassed. People are going to send us death threats, blah, 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 blah. And so that is the three sticking points um, that that are in place. Um, And and then so finally, um, what was I going to say? Um, I lost my train just a little bit. Well, you were were mentioning the the three things. I remember Danny talked about the two. Uh, the the subpoena power and the eminent domain. And if they can get those out of the bill, then they can basically just ignore them, like get off my property. You can't see what we've got. And but if you got the subpoena and the eminent domain, there, there's no way out. Now, the subpoena, the subpoena part is what definitely makes them fully exposed. An eminent domain, not so much. Uh, the eminent domain is is not nearly as a problem for them. Uh, it, in other words, it simply says you need to report what you have. So you got to reveal to them what you have. And they're not thrilled about that. Uh, but how would you know ultimately, if, they, if you can't get into their building and see the material? How would you know if they say, well, you know, we haven't gotten anything and uh, it's our private property and stay off our property. And that's no, I understand. I understand. So the so with the eminent domain, they. Uh, they have to reveal what they have, and if the government wants it, they have to give it up. Okay, so that's a problem, it, and, but it's mostly a money problem, right? It's 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 mostly targeting the, the the defense contractors, and they're pushing back because of the vast amounts of money that could be made, uh, and and the government saying, look, we. And by the way, if the government does take eminent domain over some some crash vehicle or some tech. That doesn't mean that the government can't then come back and and engage some of these contractors and say, look, OK, here's what we want to do. We want to develop it this way. We're going to do a joint venture with you. And yes, you can benefit from that. Right. And you can make some money from that. But we're going to make some money from that, too. Right. Because this is this is something for the public good. 
right? So it's not going to just be you. We can share it. There's nothing to stop that. It's not as if they're completely cut out of the picture. So <clears throat> without eminent domain, clearly, uh, that keeps the door open for them to take advantage of that. Uh, but it's not that much of a problem for the disclosure process. In other words, it, uh, the fact that eminent domain is there does, doesn't really impact the disclosure process and allows us to move forward. And at any time after disclosure, we could easily pass an eminent domain bill. Yeah, yeah. All right. And so it's not a big deal. I am happy to trade the, the rest of the bill for the eminent domain section without hesitation. Subpoena is a different matter. Uh, if they demand the subpoena power be taken out, what they are saying is you can pass all the bills you want, but you cannot come for us. We are absolutely not touchable. And I don't I cannot imagine any of the members of the House Intelligence Committee or any members that are representing them in the conference uh, committees committee that are going to go, go OK on that. They're going to they're going to they're going to draw the line on that and say, no, no, because it would be a complete capitulation. The American people would be mad as hell. And so they're not going to do it. And so if it comes down to that, in other words, if 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 Schumer and the other guys are willing to go that far and say, you don't take that subpoena out, we're not going to pass the NDAA, then they are going to launch a shitstorm. I mean, a hell of a shitstorm. Why? OK, because. Uh, they're going to have to pull the bill completely, which is going to raise all manner of hell. All right. People are going to be extremely angry. There's going to be a huge amount of focus on them, particularly on the House. And that's going to go on all through the end of December, into January. And then guess what? Their next thing on their agenda in terms of the House Democrats is shutting the government down. Mike Johnson basically committed to shut the government down. He has to shut it down and they're going to throw him out of speaker. And so now you're going to have that shit storm happening. And so it, 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 it's going to create what just an absolute fiasco for the Republican Party, at much more than the Democratic Party. And so that's what they're walking into. All right. And so I don't know how it's going to end up, Grant. Uh, I, I would I lean toward the fact that there will be a bill passed and then it might be missing the eminent domain uh, uh, clause. Uh, if they pass it without the domain and the subpoena power and everything else is in there, it's basically, what can I say? I mean, it's, it's a, it, it, is a, it is a classic example of here is what we have to do, but we have no way to enforce it. So it's making a statement. It's letting people know what they want to do. And that would be pretty cool. And so would that be bad? It might not be so bad. And here's why. And this is this is and this is the last thing I want to say. And then I'll just take questions. Yeah. Even if the bill doesn't pass at all, they pull it out. OK. That doesn't mean the Senate cannot hold a hearing. The Senate can hold a hearing. It, it doesn't matter. And so the, the Senate Intel Committee can hold the hearing that we've been waiting for and bring forward the witnesses that we know are ready to testify that will set this issue on fire worldwide. The only thing that might interfere with that is the DOD can make an effort to block witnesses. But about the only leverage they've got is to threaten their career, to threaten their pension. Uh, and obviously, all of, and, and that's even harder when you're talking about uh, 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 men and women who have already retired from the military. And if they do that, it's going to be publicly known and the DOD is going to get a massive, massive black eye. And so the, the and, 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 and in general, 
those witnesses can just tell the DOD to go to hell and testify. And so they can still hold those hearings. They can still bring those witnesses in. We know pretty much who they are. And I guarantee you there will be there will be no, no hearing in history will be quite like this one. And when that hearing is done, or at least a week on, the, the, the stage is set for the president to disclose, which he could easily do in January, all right, after the hearing. And when the president discloses, and the and the, and the, and the truth about the ET presence is now worldwide confirmed, because other nations will follow, boom, 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 boom. The world is on fire, the people are on fire and excited, and then you reintroduce the damn bill. You reintroduce the 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 the, the, the rounds of uh, uh, Schumer bill, and 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 that now and now you put that up, and then and and then see if they can stop it then, with hundreds of millions of people say, don't you even think about stopping this bill? It's the end of your political career, and so we still end up with what we need, uh, and so again, but that is then under that is then up to uh, Mark Warner. Mark Warner sits at the cusp of history. He and Rubio together, they sit at the cusp of history. They can either, whatever happens, they must call that hearing and soon. If they don't, this whole thing is going to slowly move into the most chaotic, grotesque, bizarre election in the history of the United States. At the same time, the risk of nuclear war is emerge is, is ongoing in the Ukraine, is emerging in the Middle East, where a terrorist group can get their hands on a nuke and blow up some city anytime they want to. And the election is going to be a disaster. And history is going to excoriate them. They have the opportunity to hold that hearing. They must do it. If they do, the president will probably disclose. And so that's my 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 sense of where we're going to be in the next two months. OK, I, I'm always big on the president. Do you think that the president will end up taking a question on this and and just say, I'm I'm in favor of whatever they're doing if they get this set up, not really go full disclosure? And can you talk a little bit about the, the pressure? I, uh, as you know, Chris Sharp wrote this article for Liber Liberation Times. Almost a million people read it. I see some of the tweets. You've got a hundred thousand hits on on various tweets and stuff like that. Three hundred thousand views on yeah. one of my tweets. Has everything changed in terms of this sort of going viral, where every the the politicians now actually have to listen? Their phones are jammed, and this seems to be the thing that everybody wants to talk about. Before it was something nobody wanted to talk about. Now it's it's the main subject in in on Washington by the looks of it. This is the real first major test of the activist intention of the American people on disclosure. Uh, and as it happens, disclosure, UAP and all that is a big, big, big topic on litter, litter, Twitter. Uh, it, it's always going to be Twitter to me. So sorry. That's what it, I'm calling it. It's always going to be Twitter to me. It's big. Uh, and as it happens, um, Twitter is an extraordinarily powerful activist tool that is not fully appreciated. I, mean, I don't care. I don't care about me, Elon Musk. Uh, uh, the, the Twitter is important, and I don't want it to go away. All right. And so I'm on Twitter. I have a substantial following at Steve Bassett. Please follow me. Right at Steve Bassett. And what I've done is uh, I have put out uh, a, a a curated list of all the Twitter handles for the House and Senate Intel and Armed Services Committee. I did that. And then recently I put out uh, on the, my Twitter feed uh, a, a all uh, the handles for all of the Democrat, the House, rather, the House conferees, the people that are in the room right now debating this. I put that out. All right. And what I'm telling people to do, in case they didn't know, is that if you want to reach these people, 
You can call them. It's not easy. Uh, you can send a letter. It may never be read. You can send an email. It will probably be read by a staffer and maybe they'll delete it. Maybe they'll show it to somebody else. But way superior to that is Twitter tagging. And Twitter tagging is really simple. All of the members of Congress, except for a couple, have Twitter accounts, Twitter pages and handles. And so when you do an at Senator so-and-so, I want you to pass this bill. This bill should be passed in entirety, et cetera, and put a message on it. And then you post that in your account. That message, because you have tagged them, goes into right into instantly into their notification section. And so say 1,000 people do that. They, they tag a certain member of Congress, one, one message each, 1,000 messages. Those 1,000 messages turn up in the, in the, uh, the, uh, in the uh, uh, notification section. Now, every, every member of Congress has a staffer whose job is it to check that, to, to watch that notification section all the time, because that's where they can find out what people are saying about their boss, right? And it, and, or referring to him in any way or her. And so it's a, it's a perfect way to get a sense of, of where the public is with respect to whatever my boss is doing. And say they go to that thing and, they, and here's a thousand message coming in regarding the, the, the Schumer bill. What they're going to do is they're going to check with the member and say, uh, sir, madam, uh, there's a whole lot of action here on the in, on Twitter and in, in the in the in the uh, 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 notification section. You should check it out. So the member quickly puts up Twitter, goes to the notification, and just scrolls, just scrolls down message after message after message. This is the way. And it's incredibly fast. For instance. I, I, I gave them uh, 100 uh, uh, handles for the, the Intel and Armed Services Committee. All right. And so you just put that over on one right side of your computer screen. You bring up your Twitter page on the left side of your computer screen. Right. And then all, all you do is you go post, copy paste the handle of the member, copy paste your message, fire it off. Do it again and again. Hell, you can you can message a hundred members of Congress in probably thirty minutes or less. And so I've done that. I've got that out. How many are pouring in uh, uh, into the Twitter accounts of these people? I don't know. Obviously, there's plenty happening online. There's plenty happening in podcast. Uh, clearly, there is a significant uh, response. Now, let's face it. Over the last 10 or 20, 30 years, 20 years particularly, our Congress has become notorious for doing whatever the hell it wants. It just doesn't matter what the public thinks. The public could be 78% in favor of something, and they will do exactly the opposite. And so that's one of the reasons our system down here, Grant, is kind of, you know, kind of getting really goofy. Uh, so how, but, but this issue is interesting. So that is happening. And uh, we'll see how strong it gets. It still has some time. They, they probably are going to debate this for a, a number of days. Uh, they have to be done by the 11th. So that's another almost 11 days. Is that the vote uh, on the 11th? The 11th, because the, uh, they, 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 they leave, the, they, they go out of session on the 14th. And, it's, and, and there has to be some time to get the bill up to the White House and get it signed. So it's going to get signed on the 21st. They're leaving town on the 14th. Uh, and so they've got to get this thing resolved by, by the 11th. And so that's when they'll probably have the final bill uh, uh, ready to submit to the president.
But if the president signs, then how do, how did they avoid the issue? Boy, my fear is that you're going to have Trump come out and say, "Oh, if I get, a, get elected, I'll disclose," and he suddenly owns the issue. I I can't see why the the White House seems to be sitting on the sidelines when it's First their issue. They they've sort of won the battle, but they're quiet. And you see the the Republicans are coming out with Burchett and and Luna and all these people, and they're on on the news all the time. And they're pushing the issue. And on the other side, the White House side, it seems to be like this silence. You and I know what's going on, but the, the vast majority of people have no clue what's no, going on. The White on. House knows what's going on. They're deliberately staying out of this. They do not want to be asked any questions. They want to stay out of this. They, 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 that partisanizes it, and they've done pretty well. There's been a couple of things that dragged them into it, but they, they want out of it. The first time the White House was really brought into play on this issue, uh, in what I would call a formal way, the, the, the Rockefeller Initiative doesn't count. I'm not including that. Uh, is the the review board because something else in the bill that bothered him a little bit, but it's not the big deal. It's not the issue. Is the presidential the the UAP review board, which was uh, which in the bill will be a nine person panel appointed by the president with a very elaborate set of of criteria yeah. and so forth and what have you. Uh, and this review board will be part of the process in which the decision is made whether something goes forward to fully being public and uh, and and onward to the uh, national archives or is postponed for a while okay uh, again it's another way to uh, to maintain what i call responsible disclosure but is referred in the the bill as the disclosure control campaign which was misinterpreted by people i get it uh it, it, it's control in the sense of what they're really saying is this process is a big deal and it need to be needs to be done responsibly, folks. We're not just going to suddenly throw open the doors. And so uh, as far as Trump coming forward, well, you know, one, he's not the president. So so he can say if I'm president, I'm disclosed. But he, he can't be president until January uh, 20th, 2025. Secondly, it will be utterly transparent. Right. And, and, and take and very little will be taken seriously. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, the because a couple the, months the, ago, Kelly came for the national security advisor was asked and he said, yeah, Biden set up. He said if, if the Biden didn't consider this serious, he wouldn't have set up the board to get to the bottom of this. And, and the, the roof didn't collapse on them. And and they actually said, yeah, Biden's behind this. And and I knew that Podesta was going to go to uh, Biden and he was going to push. And you can tell Podesta has got to be in the background on this thing advising. I, I don't see why they don't grab the issue and say, yeah, this is our issue and uh, we're going to do what we can on it. I, I, could, don't, I still the, don't understand the silence. It's the just, best reason for that is, look, uh, we are in hyper-partisan times. Everything is partisan. Everything. And grotesque things are being done on, on under the partisan uh, uh, rubric. And, and, and so the White House is loathe to to partisanize this and shouldn't uh and so it needs to stay the hell out of it does that mean they don't know what's going on absolutely all right yeah, uh, Schumer wouldn't they, have done the bill without authorization from the white house well i mean i mean the president could have put could, could have put pressure on the intel committee i mean they couldn't he couldn't stop the bill that's a separate branch of government but there's no indication that the white house is in any way upset with this process yeah. all right but it needs to be nonpartisan. 
And in other words, it can't it can't look like the president is out there pushing forward, pushing forward. Why? And then and the right wing will come back and say, because you want to be the disclosure president. You're going to you're going to get all the glory and everything else. Well, and then will he be the disclosure president? You, you've always talked about the disclosure president. It will Biden be because I can't see yeah. when he signs. He's not going to get a question when he's signing that no, bill. No, no, and there's no, no, like 40, 50 reporters standing there. That's all they're going to want to talk about when he signs the bill. OK, Uh he basically is 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 the 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 infrastructure needed is 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 now there. Yeah. Okay. And he might be asked a question like, "Well, Mr. President, now that uh, this bill is signed, uh, uh, do you support? Uh, uh, do you support? Well, obviously he supports it. He signed it, right? Yeah. So are, are are you? What do you what 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 do you have? What do you think is going to happen next, or or so forth? Yeah. These, these are not or do or Mr. President, do you think there is non-human technology? OK, uh, let's just say that if I'm I'm the president, I dodge those questions. OK, however, those questions will be just confirmation to him. I hope to God that Mr. President, if this bill is signed, you've got to get ready to disclose. You've got to get ready to confirm this issue. Finally. But what he needs, though, before that, and this is the awkward, this is going to be an awkward period, is that he doesn't want to be seen as coming out and saying, I have decided to tell you that we are not alone. That is not what you want. It, it, it could still happen that way. The beauty of the Senate Intel Committee hearing that has been in the works, Gillibrand said it was going to happen six months, seven months, six months ago. But, you know, events intervene, is that it is the transparent, extraordinary testimony under oath by very high level, pretty much retired military people that will be seen by millions of people over a week that make it makes the it's literally like watching a trial it, it just literally proves the case absolutely once and for all and then the president could come forward and say i've watched the hearings like you have my my people have watched it we've talked it over and clearly uh, it it seems it confirms that we are not alone there's a non-human technology and that is the minimally partisan way to do it. it the president is responding to the truth brought to him as opposed to demanding the truth come out because I'm the president of the United States. That's the way it needs to happen. And it was on that track and probably would have been pretty much not a problem, but David Grush threw a monkey wrench into the into the script, uh, but I don't blame him. I, 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 I think the man's a, a hero uh, and, he, and he did accomplish some things. It definitely uh, accelerated things a little bit, created some problems. That's the way it should happen. But it's possible. I wouldn't rule it out. That once that bill gets more viral as as we go along when he, when he goes to sign the bill, because even in the last month, the number of hits, the retweets, the it's just like it's building, building every day. I mean, if he makes any sort of statement, I mean, you could get be getting two million hits a day on your on yeah. your Twitter account. It would just I, I I've never seen any, and I've been in it like you. You've been in it a long time. I've been in it since seventy five. And I think you would agree that 19, uh, 2017, everything changed. I yeah. mean, it, the world flipped upside down and it was game over. It just is a slide down. That, but in the last month or two, I have never seen anything like it in terms of the yeah. stories and the momentum and the people reading it. I mean, just unbelievable. Uh, look, there is another way this can happen. Uh, 
if the bill is pulled, then the president will be, unless he vetoes it, which highly unlikely. Yeah, yeah. So th then the, when the president signs it, there, it isn't there. The bill's not there. Okay. And so technically, what do you ask him? You could say, why? Do you, you think that should have been there? So now it gives them a break. It gives them a pass. So the bill's not there. The president's not, should not be under too much pressure, which means that Warner and Rubio can get that damn hearing done, get those witnesses out in front of the world's people, blow this issue up and set the president up to disclose. And then we go back and get the infrastructure set up. That That's okay. Where it gets problematic is if the bill is passed with the Schumer rounds amendment, with or without the domain section, and then it gets signed. Well, hell, that bill, that bill clearly makes it, it's obvious from the bill that the, the Senate Intelligence Committee and, and, and the Senate in general clearly is confirming Grush and clearly knows that there's an extraterrestrial presence, non-human tech here. And I think the press has every right to hit the White House hard. Uh, I wouldn't want to be uh, Ms. Jean-Pierre. Jean uh, they're going to pound them with questions. And, well, and, 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 she said she likes the E.T. movie. She did to go that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so... It would not be it would not be bad. It would be not awful if the president basically very quickly, uh, which could be hell, it could be before the end of the year, frankly. Uh, it could be on Christmas Eve, a nice yeah. Christmas present. But oh, yeah. it could, it, very soon he could make the decision. Look, like we can't we can't just sit here fielding all of these questions and having to dodge them and and do around uh, work around them and basically just not look very confident uh waiting for the senate intel committee to get th that hearing done and so he he would come forward and say uh look uh uh i have made substantial inquiries about the implications of this extraordinary piece of legislation and 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 uh, have uh, based upon what i have been told and there's no way to do this uh, totally authentic. There's no way you can say exactly what happened. You just can't do it. Uh, I've been told, I've talked to them, blah, blah. And uh, uh, I, I am essentially able to confirm to you tonight that the, the non-human tech that, that this bill is referring to is in fact, uh, it, uh, we have it. And obviously that means that we're not alone. Disclosure, <laughs> boom. That could happen in early January. And people, it, it may seem a little more political to some people, uh, but nevertheless, it's not that political, uh, and um, and the bill that ultimately, uh, you know, I mean the, the 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 Senate Intel bills were all nonpartisan. In other words, the, the the vast majority, if not the entire Senate Intel Committee, supported that bill. I think it was seventeen to zero. I think Danny said it cleared uh, intelligence seventeen to zero or something. So that could happen, and that's fine. And then the whole issue of the infrastructure that we need, the legal infrastructure will then be revisited and they'll pass a bill. And then the Republicans, can, you know, and the, and the defense contractors can fight it, but it'll be completely out in the open. And, and these defense contractors are basically going to be publicly saying to the American people, we own it. We're going to make a trillion dollars. Screw you. Our shareholders come before the national interest. That's not going to go over very well. Good luck. Good and luck. so we could work out that way. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, or the, the worst case is the bill is signed. The Senate intel just will not call a committee. Uh, all the questions they're asked about it, they have no comment. The White House has no comment. 
or they come up with some some silly workaround or whatever, and we just go forward like this, stumbling forward. Nobody can answer a question properly. Everything's up in the air, and and our country looks even more stupid to the rest of the world than it already does. And believe me, the rest of the world thinks we're pretty stupid right now. So we've got some this. This legislation, which I believe is the most important bill ever passed by any legislative body or will right. be passed ever, about the most important issue in the history of the human race, sure. is coming at a point when the United States is at a very critical point in its history as a democracy yeah. uh, involving a range of issues. Uh, I don't know if that's if that's if that's a lot, uh, it's just a purely an accident or whether there's a tie in that, that it explains it all. But it just that's the way it is. And so. There's a lot of things that might get resolved here or at least forced to deal with because the issue is so profound. No other issue really confronts the dysfunction that has developed in the American people. There's this problem and that problem and it gets yeah. fought and everybody yells and screams. But overall, and I, I include global warming, right, which could be debated yeah. for the next thousand years and not go anywhere. This is transcends that. This is as big as it gets. And so we're forced literally to say, are we going to continue to act like crazy people and yeah. idiots, or are we going to mature and say, look, we're not idiots, we're actually pretty smart, uh, and let's put all the shit aside, and let's do the right thing. That is yep. something that uh, we were looking at. Okay, I had one more question, but I actually, you just brought up something, so I've not got two questions, because it's, it's, it's a busy time. And I'm sure you'll get back and there'll be 10 stories of broken since we did the interview. As long as you want. I'll give you an no, hour, whatever the hell you want. It's my no, job. No, but I'm saying that there's all these stories. Like I, I want I want you to, uh, first, I want to ask you a question about, you talked about this, is this happening um, by accident? And, and the question comes, I've always asked, and nobody's really asked the question, is uh, Lekatsky goes on with Jeremy Corbell and Knapp and confirms, and he's got authorization for the government. He said, yeah, they told me I could say this. We've got a craft and we've been inside it. So this is the guy that ran the OSAP program. Yeah. And my question to you is, why are the why is the intelligence landing crafts and then just leaving them there for us to observe? What, what do you think is going? You've got to speculate, but are they part of this thing? Are they part of this disclosure thing that they are playing these cards oh, and forcing oh, the issue? Oh. Well, this is it doesn't make any sense. Nobody's ever asked how did the how did the government get the craft? And they just sort of say, well, the tech and stuff, but but how did they get the craft and how did the contractors get the crafts? Because I, I posted the document from NASA from, from 1962, and that was the whole thing about moon dust. All eminent domain, NASA had, had eminent domain over anything that fell on American territory. And I posted the document that said they had eminent domain. So how did the how did the contractors get the craft? And are the is the intelligence playing a part of this by dropping these crafts on purpose? All right. First of all, uh, the crash retrieval programs were government run. OK, Lockheed Martin did have its own crash retrieval program. Uh, and so if something crashes uh, that we can get in, in another country that wants to give it to us, our government goes and gets it. They don't they don't they don't tell Boeing to go get it. The government has always been in control of whatever turns up. All right. That's okay. point one. Point two. Once they get that, then they have to decide. Uh, what are you going to do with it? And obviously you want to study it. You want to see what you can learn, possibly re-engineer. And they, they have made it, they made a decision, I think in most cases to farm that out to defense contractors. Now, one of, now that is not inappropriate because that's what we do. We, we farm out all kinds of stuff. 
submarines and co aircraft carriers and okay, jets. So is it legal or not legal? If the government handed it to the contractors, how does it now suddenly become illegal? I'm not saying it's I'm not saying anything's illegal. I'm simply saying that that's the policy they did. And 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 now it it and one of the reason is is because these some of these contractors have the best science. I mean, they've got some of the top scientists, right? Okay. So uh, and so we've done that before. Now, as it happened, there's a collateral benefit, right? Because when you farm it out to these contractors, the contractors are not subject to FOIA, yeah. and people make a big deal out of that. Ah, okay, I get it. But that's true of everything. Right. In other words, if you want to FOIA Lockheed Martin about, you know, how, what, what did what did what did it learn when it when it, when it helped build the F-22 jet, you're not going to get anything back. So it's just a, uh, because, you know, so it's a collateral benefit, but it's not the reason that they did it. And so now this stuff is in the hands of the defense contractors now. But you, you raised another interesting point. First of all, these vehicles uh, that we're referring to go back all the way to Roswell. All right. So we're not talking about last month. They got a bunch of vehicles. So they've been they've been accumulating them since the 40s. Uh, they uh, the number nine keeps coming up. Maybe it's nine. Maybe it's eight. Maybe it's 15. I don't know. But they accumulate. And uh, clearly crashes uh, is straightforward. Right. Uh, yeah. We go and we, we, we get them and yeah. we bring the material back. It is worth noting that apparently the ETs uh whatever reason, are not, have no desire, are not motivated to get those crash vehicles and get them, get them, get them out of here before we get them. Apparently they're happy for us to get those. So that's not a big deal. Intact vehicles gets interesting. All right. Um, how that would happen, I don't know. One reason is the ETs just left it there for us to find because they want to accelerate our, our work in that area so that we're up to speed when disclosure comes and blah, blah, blah. It or they be, want disclosure. Yeah, yeah or it could be. Well, I happen to think the ETs do want disclosure. It's also possible that something landed and they, and they were outside the craft and we killed them and then we got the craft. That's <laughs> a possibility. Got where they parked the craft. <laughs> yeah. one, of, one of the fascinating stories that emerged recently which which has got some legs. I mean, it, it comes from sources that aren't too bad, that, that are substantive, is that there was one vehicle that either crashed or was obtained that is so vast, so huge, yeah. that they could not possibly move it. So they simply built a huge building over it. Yeah. And I think that's cool because uh, so, that's something you can okay. go look for. Okay, well, let, let's go to a story then. Danny Sheehan tells a story. And I, I wrote the book, uh, you have, uh, Sky Pilots, you, the people that claim they've flown the craft at three dozen. And a lot of these people told the story. And that was, Danny Sheehan tells the one whistleblower story that the guy, the craft was 30 feet across. He went inside. It was the size of a football stadium inside. He became disoriented. He went out of the craft and he thought he'd been in there for two minutes and he was in there for four hours. So do, does yes. the government really, does the contractors really know what's going on? Or are they in over their heads and that's why they don't want it disclosed is that they figure they're going to keep it from the russians that we don't understand this yet even lakatsky said if you understood what the the question about inside the craft if you understood that you'd realize the rest of the book is just primitive it's this I idea I that I, look as far as i look it's, it's real simple i don't give a damn what those craft can do or not do they warp time warp space whatever the absolute people the people of this world must know all about this period yeah. You know, the whole right to know, need to know, you don't, you, you can't handle the truth is utter propaganda bullshit always has been. And so it, as long as we allow this to go on, 
then we should not be surprised of all the egregious acts and stuff that's going to happen by the, the vast secret complexes and all of the stuff that have been given basically a license to do anything you want. All right. That has got to end. And so one of the one of the things that may emerge from disclosure is that we may actually begin a process where we end the age of secrecy, okay. the age of the secret world. Okay. But let me go back read. again and 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 sort of challenge you on this is that they gave the crafts to the contractors. They, they yeah. it looks like they set up the rules. And even if you take a look at when when Greed wrote the do, the document in 2009 to move ASAP, what did he want to do? He wanted to put it in a bigoted, waived access not a disclosure program. And he said, "I knew about the I knew about the crafts. I wasn't allowed to see it. I knew they had hardware." And he was trying to hide ASAP in the same program. So that's again, it seems to me that the government has some in some ways authorized this whole mess that they find themselves in. And now. They, they want to disclose it but to me uh, it comes down to how did they get the crafts and why would reed is reed trying to break the law when he's trying to move the, the osap into a black program look that's a simple a single thing can't speak to that i all i know is is that the that the entire truth embargo by i law agree i agree it's totally yeah. legal under the under the national security act it's legal uh, some things done uh, in, 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 in along the way are illegal, but overall the policy is legal. They made the decision to obviously bring the contractors in. They had the legal right to do that. All right. Uh, they, they set up classification schemes, special access programs, had the right to do that. And so they, they ran it and pretty much in concert and pretty much all of the the the, the 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 aspects of this were pretty much the same as applied to our nuclear weapons program and other national security issues, right? Pretty much the same thing, only maybe a little more intensely conducted. So it's legal. And so what disclosure is, is, is essentially legalizing, bringing it forward, right? Not yeah, I would, saying I would, that they're illegal, but rather now the new law yeah. is that we can get this information yeah. forward, yeah. I, all right? I agree. I agree. A lot of people are saying this, keep using the word illegal and all this kind of stuff. I would agree with you with the, the it's written on the CIA headquarters. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I agree with you. I mean, yeah, let's get it out. I mean, if, if it's whatever bad news, well, then it's bad news. We've got to live with whatever it is. But uh, the people, the people pay the bills and people, I mean, it's the idea of if Congress is spending one dime of taxpayers money, they have oversight and they don't have oversight right now by the looks of it. And the bill actually provides for that. I think one thing that people need to remind themselves of, and, and they often forget because we totally normalized it uh, for our entire life. If you, unless you're over 77 years old, your entire life, you have lived under a nuclear threat of annihilation, end of world, goodbye, all over. Uh, uh, and at one time there were some 80,000 nukes. Now we're down to around 20 some thousand, which is more than enough to end civilization quite nicely. And at any time somebody could screw up. And so the, our government, our national security people have been dealing with that from day one, from the 47 on. Uh, and so it's easy to throw, you know, criticize them and, and uh, throw shade on them, but they're, they're, they had a real responsibility. How could we not have a nuclear war with the Soviet Union or China, right? And, and uh, as a result of that, uh, we had huge weapons programs and massive intelligence operations in order to find out what what the enemy was doing or the potential enemy was doing, those were critical because we don't have that kind of intelligence. You have to guess, which leads to paranoia, at least to somebody firing off a missile. And so the whole the the, the ET issue and its presence and the decision to classify it 
completely coincided with the threat of nuclear war. And that is one of the reasons why the ET issue was so tightly held. If we, if, if, if we had all kissed and made up after World War II and the Soviets said, okay, look, capitalism is your way, communism is our way, it's no big deal. Let's all live together, sing kumbaya. And we didn't build 20, 30, 40,000 nuclear weapons. It's very likely that this all would have been resolved years ago. But that's not what happened. And guess what? We're still in that situation, closer to nuclear war than we've ever been. Nuclear war, meaning a single nuke, is is used in any combat zone. Yeah. So if if a nuke is used in the Ukraine-Russia war, that puts that command, it's the European command, in DEFCON 1. Some people think that DEFCON 1 means total global nuclear war. No, it doesn't. It means nuclear war at some spot, and, and, and it's by region. And so uh, the, the Europe goes into DEFCON 1, the U.S. probably goes into DEFCON 2. Then the question is, does it spread? That's the issue. But you don't want that one nuke to go off. Yeah. Uh, nobody does. And so that is one of the reasons it is this way. I can't, I'm not going to second guess them on that. I never had the responsibility of keeping America safe from a nuclear attack from China. All right. Uh, yeah. We've done a lot of stupid things because of this. A lot of the wars that we started probably could have been avoided if it wasn't for the nuclear threat. All this crap, I get it. But that's just the history. That's the way it was. They have been literally in parallel. And as I've said in many presentations, that is not an accident. I think that the the, the scope and pace of the, of how we engaged and, and, and been engaged by extraterrestrials absolutely changes the moment those two bombs drop on Japan. And from that point forward, everything changes and 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 somehow something is going on on the ET side and things are going on in our world, moving us inexorably towards disclosure 76 years later. And so the nuke issue and the ET presence and their activities are already tied together. And so that that's 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 why I I, I just I just I'm not going to beat the government over the head endlessly. You deep state, you crap. Everybody thinks they're saving the world. I mean, they did the best they could with what they had. By and large. And they also, you know, did some stupid stuff. Yeah. I mean, there have been some crimes committed on this issue and a few people have died. And everybody wants to get a, 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 an uproar over that. I'm saying, look. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not, even even like now Kissinger has died. And Kissinger, the rumored story was Kissinger said this is the hottest potato of all times. It, it is. Uh, but the U.S. has done so much worse. I mean, if you want to get upset with the U.S., let's start with Vietnam and how many people died because of a war that shouldn't happen in the first place. So, like, if a few people died in terms of the E.T. issue, I, 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 forgive me, but I, 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 I can't get too uh, overwrought about that. We have done far worse things than that. Uh, and, and so I, I view the people that manage the truth embargoes, basically patriots. Yeah. Uh, I, view, I view the people in the contractor world doing their job to deal with the tech. They had the legal right to do so. Uh, and, 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 and our patriots. Steve Justice is a patriot, right? He's one of the, the original 10 that came forward, though he stepped back pretty quickly. Not surprised about that, right? Right now, the problem is not about patriotism, it's about money. Okay, I get it, all right? Because they are corporations. Right. And that that they were corporations when we gave them the tech and they still are. And under under the, the nature of capitalism as this is practiced in the United States today, which has gotten out of hand, it is not sufficiently regulated. But under the current capitalist system, there is no amount of money you can make, no amount of money you can't donate to candidates. 
right? And, and, and a corporation's fundamental purpose above everything else is the shareholders. In other words, the shareholders must make as much money as possible. They must see as much value possible. And pretty much all moral considerations are out the door. Now, we have got to fix that, too. That's another one of the reforms that has to take place. But that is the way it's practiced. And so they're basically just being the scorpion. It is their nature. And so if I've got a tech that can make us a trillion dollars, by God, you're not taking it from me. Well, unfortunately, in this case, I think it ultimately will be taken from you. You may still make some money, but th this is tech from another world. It is paradigm shift technology. It is changing everything. And so, uh, and let me give you a, a very simple example of why I'm making that point. There is something going on right now in the world that occasionally gets mentioned about once every six, eight months, and that there is a company serving its shareholders in order to assure that they can have the maximum value, and it's called Nestle. And what Nestle is doing is buying up water rights everywhere that it can. So it owns more and more water and more and more water so they can start selling the water to us to make money. Well, the next thing you know, somebody's going to start claiming rights to the air. And if, if you if you move into a certain part of the country, they own the rights to the air and you have to pay them to breathe it. This is not the capitalism we want in America. Uh, Nestle needs to be reined in and the, uh, the corporations that are planning to exploit this tech uh, purely for their interests and not necessarily for the nation's interests need to be reined in. Now, you uh, you, you keep bringing up things. I wanna, I, this is, again, speculation, but um, you didn't get respect for a lot of the years that you put in. And another guy didn't get a lot of respect was Tom DeLong. So I want to ask you about Tom DeLong. This goes back to the contractors. Tom DeLong gets brought in by Robert Weiss, the head of Lockheed Skunk Works, and they basically help him. And so it's almost like they were part of this disclosure effort. What do you make of that with Tom DeLong and being taken to the SCIF and talking to Weiss and being sent to uh, talk to these intelligence agents and, and basically being told what was going on? What, what, what do you think that, that Lockheed was doing? I have my theory on this. Only Tom DeLong. Well, Tom, I, I think the story of Tom will eventually come out. I think some of the insiders may eventually talk about this. It's way too soon. Uh, but uh, Tom Stallone's story is, is pretty, there'll be a movie, there's got to be a movie about this. Tom, there has to be a movie about the Tom And DeLong there'll be a statue, story. his statue right beside your statue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, one of the most significant things that uh, I noted when the 10 people's bios turned up in October 11th of 2017 on the website, the Two the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences, uh, every one of those people was significant. I knew exactly what was it meant. Uh, and one of the most notable was Steve Justice. In other words, he he was a former either deputy or director of the Skunk Works. And everybody knows the Skunk Works uh, was clearly a major player in the civilian world in terms of the ET tech. And there he was. And so basically that told me that uh, the uh, the at least one defense contractor was uh, was on the side of let's get this out. All right. Now, uh, uh, what I think happened with Tom is that. And it's complicated, but it, and, and I think it's a, a somewhat of a coincidence. I could be wrong, but I, I, I think this is the way it happened. Tom DeLong has been interested in the issue since he was an, a kid. 
uh, and uh, he, uh, but he was much better at, at being a musician than he was in being a student. And so I, I think he eventually had to get his uh, high school diploma by GED, but whatever. He was a good musician and he forms a bands and several bands and starts making money. Meanwhile, he has an interest in this subject. So early on, when he's quite young, uh, he, he jumps into the issue by by getting involved with Stephen Greer. And so he is uh, he's uh, got some money and he's inter- he, he loves what Greer's doing. And so they're they're working together and and uh, and he's getting a real firsthand glimpse of it. He's into it. Uh, but eventually that kind of fa- he moves past that and gets pretty much just into music and he's off the radar for a while. But he's still making money sometime. 2013 12 11 whatever somewhere back in that zone he's his interest is still there and he had some ideas and so he decided to kind of re-engage the issue uh to see if he could get some people to listen to him and so he had the money to fly anywhere he wanted any time and so if there was a meeting or some group a public situation that was happening some presentation whatever he would fly he'd attend it and he'd start he'd try to buttonhole people that uh, were high level uh, to get their attention, to to say, look, we, I have I have some ideas I'd love to present to you. Could you meet? And I don't know how long this went on, but he's buttonholing these guys and going to these events. Uh, in other words, he's being aggressive. He's being very proactive. He's doing what you know what you tried to activists do. do. And what he I don't think he may or may not have known at the, at the same time that he is doing this. There is there is a growing sentiment within the military intelligence community that it's time to end this damn embargo. Uh, now it's it's a sentiment, right? It's not formal. It's just more and more people are seeing it that way. And guess what? They're encountering each other and they chat it up and oh, you feel that same way, and they're meeting and whatever. And and this idea of coming forward in a group uh, in some way to push the process. Uh, in other words, not like a whistleblower just coming forward like Grush, but rather a number of people coming forward in some formal way. And I think they're they're mulling this over. And and Tom, uh, it, it continues to turn up. And it's in some point, boom. What, what I, and I, I, I forgot exactly the individual, but one person says, uh, you know, there's somebody I want you to meet. And so suddenly they brought him in. And so he goes and he meets somebody and then that person gets somebody else and somebody else and he's meeting all these people, right? Which he eventually talked about. He talked about it on George Knapp's show. That's the first time we learned anything about George Knapp. This was in, I think, March of 2016, but this had been going on for a while. And I think, I, and if, if, if I'm wrong, it's okay. It's not an awful thing to be wrong on this, but if I'm right, I'm going to be so pleased with myself. You can imagine. <laughs> I think that this group that was thinking about to come forward had a problem. Well, first of all, money, right? They're not rich. And to do this and do this with a, you know, in a proper way, you need money. You need some funding. Okay. You just can't a bunch of people over hold a meeting and say, Hey, we're here to advance the issue. Right. Uh, we got nothing going here, except there's a bunch of us and whatever. No, no, no. They, they wanted, they need to do it substantively. And here's Tom. And the idea that he was telling these people, the, 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 fundamental idea that he was presenting to was essentially this you guys are the good guys right you're getting all this grief all this shades being thrown on you you've just been protecting the national interest 
but it's time for you to come forward on this. It's time for you to get the credit you deserve for protecting the country and also bringing this to, to, the, to the people. And uh, I, I, the way to do it is I've been doing stuff. I've, I've been writing books and I, I do music. I've got agents, I've got money. Uh, we could set up an organization, come out together and, and so forth. And they were going, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in other words, you could put up the buck so we could launch something very substantive, come forward together. Great. Okay, good. Good idea. And the next problem they had, though, was this. We like your idea. And then they're talking to themselves. They're going, well, who's going who's gonna to be the head guy? Who's going to be the CEO of this entity that we're going to come forward in? Well, they got a problem there. How put off? Going to be him? It's going to be Jim Semivan, the career CIA guy. Is it going to be Luis Elizondo? But he didn't join until the very last minute. Almost anybody in their world acting as the head of this organization is going to get slammed. It's going to be an op. They're going to accuse them of all manner of deception. The thing is going to be distrusted from the get-go. They needed somebody that was completely, clearly not part of their world. And they had two options. One. Start sending out requests to people, you know, send out a letter to Michio Kaku, send out a letter to this person and say, would you like to, you know, be the head of this organization? Okay. You can't do that. You do that. And basically the word's going to get out what the hell's going on. Right. And they're going to say no, maybe. And then they may say something. And so it, you can't expose uh, it that way. You haven't got the right to go out and recruit the CEO of the To The Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences or whatever they would call it. But what if you just Tom DeLong? was the CEO. He's putting up the money, right? He's really interested in the issue. He's absolutely not connected to the secret world and he's well-liked. Now, admittedly, he's a rock musician with a high school education. So that's a little awkward, but he's into the issue and therefore, why not? And they made the decision, that's it. We're gonna come forward. We're gonna create an entity. It's going to be called the Two of the Stars Academy of Arts and Scientists. Probably that was suggested by Tom. It's going to be a public benefit entity. It's going to do books and all kinds of stuff, as well as research and what have you. Uh, and that, which means that as a public benefit company with a strong mission statement, it could make a lot of money. And that's not a bad thing either, because the, these people knew that when they came forward, it wasn't like it was going to, they were going to get more government contracts or business. It, it, it was going to be potentially very impacting on their financial status. Now, maybe they were already comfortable and nothing could hurt them. But overall, uh, they basically have separated forever from whatever the hell the, the classified world could provide them. And oftentimes they do get these contracts. And so the fact that this company could make money would be great. And so it comes forward. They make the announcement. Tom is the spokesperson, right? And, and and right away, they offer up a, a stock in this public benefit corporation. And I think they raised about $5 million. I think they expected to raise five times that. But unfortunately, the circumstances surrounding the launch of the To The Stars Academy did not go the way they had hoped. In any event, to me, that is Tom DeLong's role. And so, and that's fine. That is absolutely fine. Now, eventually, the To The Stars Academy, because of the circumstances uh, present in the U.S. and geopolitically, things could not move fast enough. And over time, the To The Stars Academies just lost its, its ability to, 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 to do its original mission statement. And so and then when things really get underway, when it's time to for when it's game time, uh, not surprisingly, uh, uh, several of the key people 
had to step out. Mellon, Elizondo, and one other, I forget who. Justice. Uh, it may have been Nolan, but they Justice. had to step out because yeah, they Justice could not be engaging the government in, in, a, in a very a significant, serious way regarding legislation and anything else while belonging to a public benefit corporation that is uh, uh, hoping to, to, to make money from uh, this issue in various ways. So they had to step out. Didn't mean they were mad. It just meant, hey, got to step out. And so ultimately, Tom goes back to the music full time, making even more money. The To The Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences comes at To The Stars. It still has a board. And I, I think well positioned that if we get disclosure, I'm sure that To The Stars is going to be able to take advantage of that and, and uh, uh, make some fine money and, and, and play a role in the post-disclosure world. And so I have nothing but praise for Tom DeLong for his, for his uh, uh, willingness to do this, for his, his, uh, his uh, uh, ability to... to, 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 to to, to make this happen for, for his intensity and, and really trying to engage these people. It's not something I could do, you know, fly around the country and buttonhole people. If you're the activist, if you're a known activist on this issue and a lobbyist and you're buttonholing people at events, after a while, they start taking you out. I mean, they just grab you by the armpits and they just walk you out to the parking lot. But Tom, Tom was, you know, different. So that's kind of his role. And uh, I think history is going to be very kind. Yeah. And he's getting back into it. You can see that he's starting to tweet now. He's watching what's going on. So my last question, let's go over the, the, the press conference that had, they had today. You only saw a bit of it, but can you just give me, because I didn't see any of it. Can you give me a, a, the gist of what they where they were going with this thing? You know, I wish I could just, I wish I could just go watch it right now. All I can say is <laughs> that the little bit that I saw, it is not what I expected. Right. I was thinking it was going to be just uh, Burchett and Luna uh, making the case for this five paragraph thing. I, I don't think that's what it is. I think when I watch it, I'm going to be pleased. I think this actually was a number of people were there as near as I can tell. And uh, they were making a, a strong case for why, hey, we, we need to get this done. Yeah. Right. We need this out now. And I'm hoping I was looking at the right one because I brought it up on I brought it up on Google. Uh, so I, I'm afraid all I can say is, folks, go go watch it. And what you want to be looking for is is this it was it just a, a, a conference about this alternative bill or was it a number of people from the conferees saying, look, we really want to get this done. So I. You know, I'll know soon myself and I'll watch it. It may not be the last press conference on this. Uh, there is a battle going on in that room. And and one of the ways that that uh, those on each side of the battle can uh, affect this, They're, and it's not illegal, is that they can step out and give a press conference and say, hey, here's how things are going. We're not thrilled about it. We want to do this. What they're doing is they're trying to marshal support from the public to start, you know, uh, Twitter uh, uh, tagging, you know, like that's what I suggest they do, Twitter tagging, uh, the conferees saying, hey, get this done. And so they're kind of lobbying the media literally as this thing goes on. And that's fine. Um, so the, the, we'll we'll see, Grant, yeah. uh, what happens. Uh, yeah. And and uh, once it's all done, uh, bring me back on and we'll we'll, yeah. we'll talk about where well, Once they sign the bill, I'd like to bring you back on. If they're going to sign the bill, I'd like to have you right after the bill and let's see what happens there because that'll be a time when he's sitting there with his 10 pens or whatever it is and 30 reporters. And I can't see them asking any other question except the, the, the amendment and see what he says. So I'd like and to bring you back on. And that bill people are going to care about. 
I, I really appreciate all you've done, Steve, and hopefully this is your day has arrived and uh, you get credit for what you've done because you were doing this when nobody believed you, man. You you were this is was your ball game all along. There's so. a lot of people doing it when nobody believed me. Go, Grant. Uh, you were in it before I was. One of the things that uh, I I learned early, found early, was your website. I think presidentialufo.com. Yeah, yeah. Uh, presidential UFO eight. And then you told me to change the name, and that's why I changed it to Presidential UFO. You said you can't go so, with that name. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, you you did that founding work about the connection with the presidents. Uh, enormous amount of effort went to that site. I hope it's all archived uh, yeah. so that it's not forgotten. And that that was, you know, very important to me. And then, of course, not, you know, a couple of years after I learned about the site is when you got the documents on the Rockefeller Initiative through your FOIA and sent them to me. Uh, and and yeah, uh, you'll you'll have to maybe archive those because the you may not know they've got they're gone. I went to Clinton Library, FOIA them. They said we don't have them. They said maybe the National Archives had them. And I went to the National Archives. They said no, we don't have them. And then I uh, I filed an appeal, and the National Archives said we don't have them. So the you've got the only copy. You and 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 Joe Bookman are the only people who have copies of the right. Of you the see this bookshelf behind me? There you go. On the lower shelf down there is ten copies. There you go. Okay, we're good. So maybe you can scan them. We can put. I'm putting my entire collection online. Uh, I offered it to the University of Manitoba. They turned it down. So I said, okay, I'll put it online because nobody goes to archives anyway. So I'm going to put my entire presidential collection, but one third the way done. So I'd like to have that as well, especially the fact that the the documents are no longer around. Uh, everybody says they don't have them anymore. So we've got the official copies. They well, don't care whether you. And you, as you know, on my website to this day, and it has never left my website in all yeah. these years, uh, about 240 of the most uh, interesting documents, uh, documents are, are up there, right? And yeah. Uh, yeah. so I got those up, but I, I didn't scan them all because a lot of them are not, not that important, and that's a lot of work. But if you can scan your whole collection, uh, which I think probably is more than just the Rockefeller documents... Boy, do it because that 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 is a historical collection you got yeah. there, Grant, and you you need to be recognized, and that needs to be available. Yeah, I'll give you. I'll send you an app that I use that you can scan a document about every six or seven seconds. It's pretty fast. Really? So yeah, I'll send you. I'll send you the link to the to the way I use, and it works. It works really fast, really well. And uh, we'll we'll have another conversation once the president goes because. You and I were both on the same track of realizing who had to be in charge of this and the importance of the president and the importance of getting this out. So uh, let's do it again once uh, Biden comes and hopefully your day arrives and he makes the announcement and becomes the disclosure president. And we can move into the sunset and uh, or into the sunrise and see what actually this is all about. Well, and, and one thing that I, I'm, I'm most intrigued about, I imagine you are too, is that as this is moving forward, you've got two individuals by the name of Hillary and Bill Clinton yeah. <laughs> who have this historical connection, the effort that they made, which obviously had no chance of succeeding, but at least they made it all those years ago. And I cannot imagine that they're just going to continue to step, stay out of this and not say anything while it, and it goes forward into the future. At some point, they're going to step in here because there is a legacy that they deserve yeah. uh, and they need to be recognized for it. John Podesta as well, but it's Clinton's that I'm interested in. And I'm thinking, when is it going to happen? Obviously, it, this isn't the right time. I get that. It would be totally grandstanding. 
but but once the bill is signed, maybe certainly after disclosure takes place, surely they're going to come forward. Uh, and uh, who knows? I might even get a chance to meet them, and then they can tell me how much they really hate me <laughs> for, for literally not letting them alone for thirty years. Yeah, because that that's the story that you and I know that most people don't know that they were going to this whole thing was going to happen in two thousand and sixteen. They were setting it up, and Hillary yeah. lost the election because they leaked the Podesta files. And everybody had to run for cover and 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 Hillary lost the election and they had to redo the thing and start over again. Well, Hillary was going to I, I, I don't I don't think that the ET issue had anything to do with her losing. I think that no, the, no. the files were more important to us than it was to the general public. The files that were leased by Assange uh, from the Democratic National Committee that yeah, showed yeah. all the bias within the committee towards yeah. towards, say, the uh, 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 Senator um once again, mind hole or brain hole, uh, uh, you know, Bernie, Bernie Sanders, that, that hurt. But it was more than just that. A yeah. lot of things. Came but if together. he had become president, they would have moved ahead with this. She was uh, just, just the FBI, Com Comer's blunder, the state coming forward yeah. on that yeah. at the end. All yeah. of that, though, had to come together for her to lose. Uh, but not the ET issue was, I think, of almost zero consequence. In fact, yeah, if no. you follow the press coverage on that, she was getting positive press. She wasn't getting ridiculed yeah. for this. She wasn't yeah. getting embarrassed and she wasn't getting attacked. And if she had gone full bore on this issue, if she had really gotten to this issue, if she had brought up the Rockefeller initiative, she would have won that election. Now, they may not believe that, but that's yeah. that is that is my view. So, again, yeah. Uh, I just I'm waiting that day, one one day because uh, they're they're going to they're suddenly going to turn up and it'll be like an interview on 60 Minutes or an interview in, uh, with uh, Barbara Walters or something and a yeah. sit down together. And they're going to say, uh, you know, we actually uh, we tried to do something many years ago. Yeah, yeah. And my my and I my husband or Bill may say wasn't treated very well. He was treated like he wasn't the president of the United States. He was just the servant to the Department of Defense. And we didn't like it. And we and 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 we tried to engage the issue through John Podesta, uh, our close advisor all these years and do what we can. Uh, but now, fortunately, this thing is finally out and we applaud the president and so forth and so forth and get a piece of that legacy. I want them to have a piece of that. I legacy. agree. I the question agree. is, when will they make them? Because when, but, but if when the Clintons make their move, you know it's over. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't keep a good story down, and they couldn't keep it down, and it's uh, time that it's about to come out. So, thank you for your work, and let's, right, I'll, I'll be in touch with you with that app, and we'll talk about uh, talking to you after they sign the bill. I'm very interested to see what happens. Very good, sir. All right, later. Have a, Bye. Have a good one. Go and watch the news conference now. Yes. That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books, and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast or learn something valuable, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.